Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Inside the 9 o'clock hour as we proceed. Back to the conversation at hand. This is Keith McPherson, your nighttime host. And of course, we were talking about who else? Peter Morgan Alonzo. And I listen to the fan just like you all day, every day when I'm not on. I mean, sometimes I got to take a break because I'm not really like feeling everybody on the fan and everybody's take. But <laughs> they're my teammates. I try to tap in and support and hear the conversation, right? I, I feel like you need to do that before you approach your own show. It's part of my notes taking. It's part of me coming up with my thoughts and my takes. Oh, this guy said this. That guy said that. As I'm hearing the conversation around Pete Alonzo, I'm just like, man, how did we end up here? You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I feel like when they first floated this idea out about Pete Alonzo being traded, whether it was from one of our hosts or Ken Rosenthal or whatever, the, the Met fan was... 80%, 70% of Mets fans against it. No, no way. What are you talking about? This is, And then over the course of these last couple weeks, it seems 50-50. Are we talking about the same guy, the guy that represented himself in Team USA for the Mets? The guy that has a rookie home run record? Like, what happened to who would you rather have, Aaron Judge or Pete Alonzo? Well, Pete Alonso is going to be a lot cheaper to have than Aaron Judge. Half as cheap. How did we go from all oh, Pete, you know, face of the franchise, the polar bear, he's in the city card commercial. Like I mentioned already, he's in every home run derby. How do we go from Pete Alonso making more money in the home run derby than he was making as a Met to now, no, we can't pay that guy. Got to trade him, see what we can get. I don't know. You tell me. Warren's in Flushing on the fan. What's up, Warren? You got it. Hey, bro. How are you? I'm Listen, all right. that was a really great interview with that uh, Mets Beat reporter. You know, she had a lot of insight into everything. But I just want to ask you something cool. How are you going to bond with your wife and newborn when you're going to watch seven hours of football? I, you know, I, tell so me they, something cool. Yeah, so they like football, too. Uh, I think my son likes football. My wife does. It's it's a, it's like a little tradition we have on, on Sundays. You know, we uh, we cook some food, crack some beers. Uh, my wife will have her wine, and we don't go anywhere. We don't do anything. I don't, I don't do any shows. I don't do any podcasts. I don't do any work. I don't leave the house. I think I'm going to leave this first week one and head over to MetLife Stadium 
for Cowboys Giants. But yeah, my my wife, we we uh we'll have nachos, we'll have wings. Sometimes we'll order food. Sometimes we'll make food. Invite me over. Yeah. <laughs> my wife, my wife wouldn't go for it. <laughs> she, I've, I've tried to have some friends, and, and just messes up the vibe. It's a family thing, and now we have a four-month-old baby who he's already yeah. a little, a little monster. I think he's going to be a little football player. So I hope he's able All to, right. you know, lay on the couch and watch the games with me this season. I'm, I'm looking forward to the fall a lot. All right, for my uh, Mets questions, I think uh, Pete Alonso should get uh, Lindor money. And he should get at least a five to seven year contract. That's one thing. And the he's not going to get Lindor. That, he's not going to get Lindor money. The shortstops they they make more money than the first baseman. Um, but, but he should the get. Match. You know. You yeah, got, you he should get. <clears throat> he should get paid like the top first baseman that that I mentioned: Freddie Freeman, yeah. Matt yeah. Olson, Paul Goldschmidt. I agree. Um, but he's not going to get as many years. He's not going to get the AAV. Okay. You know, and you know he's not going to get that because they're talking about trading him. Like this is part of the negotiation. I think they're they're putting this out there um, as a leverage play. Misinformation, misinformation. That's what all that was. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I think those firings were, you know, like a prelude to David Stern coming in because he's probably going to want to put his own people in there. Right. And I think Buck Showalter is probably going to get hopefully one more year to like uh, uh. to bounce back. Because Maybe. if he doesn't, we're going to have Craig Council as our manager. That'd be cool. Your bro, you've been growing. I love your brand. You're getting really, really great. And I'm going to Thank listen you. to your comments. Thank you, have Warren. A great night. You too. Have a great night. Um, <clears throat> made me think about Buck Showalter, who was supposed to be this win-now manager, right? Let's see. Craig Council age. Craig Council is... 53. Hmm. Buck Showalter is 63? 67. Buck, I mean, Buck came in for this five-year window that every year was supposed to be a World Series competing type of window, a team that could contend. And uh, do you still want Buck Showalter to, no, it's just not going to work out. You might as well cut ties with Buck Showalter this year. Right, because if you're projecting three years down the road, do you want to have a 70 year old manager managing Luis Angel Acuna and like these young kids? A 70 year old manager, how's he going to connect with these 25 uh, year olds, 23 year olds, 24 year olds in three, four years? Buck was brought here to put his baseball knowledge and wisdom and expertise into a ready to win now team. So. You know, Buck came out of retirement. How many years were we watching baseball? Yankee fans watching Yes Network after the games. Buck, co- come back to Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. I I don't watch the Yes Network. I love the Yes Network, and I, I love uh, Flash, and I love Jack Curry and Bob Lorenz and whoever they put on, Meredith Morakovitz, Chris Schoen. Like, I, I've been up to the mothership. Shout out to the Yes Network. They've, they've brought me through Connecticut and the New York office. But I, and since 2021, I can't watch Aaron Boone in the postgame. It it ruins my night. I can't go. I couldn't go to sleep before I had the radio job. Watching Aaron Boone say the same things in the post game, it would make my skin crawl. Even my wife would be like, "What's wrong with you?" I'm like, "I just watch, just watch the Yankees blow it, and I watch Aaron Boone find positives in that mess. Say the same things. Oh, we're gonna turn the corner. It's right in front of us. All right, bro, stop, please. So, 
Buck Showalter, come back and join the postgame. Because what I used to say about Buck Showalter is that he sees the game differently than everybody else. And he always gives you one line or one nugget from something he saw in the game that makes you think differently than everybody else talking about the game. So, Buck, come back. You could do it from home. You did it remote. They got to get a younger manager. Maybe Carlos Beltran. Gene and Secaucus on the fan again. What's up, Gene? Hey, how are you, Keith? I'm good. Thanks for calling in. Uh, you know, the, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Mets and Pete Alonso. You know, you know, I'm a big Mets fan. Um, you know, the Mets, you know, they have the highest payroll in Major League Baseball. They, they, they paid Edwin Diaz, um, Francisco Lindor. And they, they Brandon Nimmo, Scherzer. Jeff McNeil. Yeah, right. Scherzer, Verlander. They're and still the paying still these guys to play for other teams. Right, right. And they're going to have uh, Jeff McNeil, Nemo, you remember, Sterling Marte. They're mm-hmm. going to have to start thinking about paying – uh, p- paying somewhere down the line, Peter Lanzo. They're going to have to probably need two starting pitchers this offseason. So I'm looking at this Met team and I'm saying, what are they going to spend? $450 million now? And then if you don't win, is that good baseball business? You spend $450 no, They're going to go over $400 million. Clearly, Moneybags is thinking differently yeah. about all the spending now. Yeah, you know what? There's got to be a, a limit to it. Now, as far as this Peter Lanzo thing goes, um, homegrown guy. Yep. But. I know as Mets fans, we all get emotional. I know you're not a Mets fan, but Mets fans, we're emotionally tied to him. There's an attachment. Um, Understandable. You know, I, like you lost, I said you lost DeGrom last offseason to free agency yeah. because they didn't want to give him the deal. His, and you his, won. That, that was a smart move. It made mm-hmm. sense. Look what happened to DeGrom. But this is different. With, this isn't a pitcher. This isn't, well, a, me, this isn't yeah. a guy that's not available. This is a guy that came back from injury sooner than we expected. This is a guy that wears it, gets hit every week, every series it seems, and still goes out there and mashes. Okay. Uh, I, when, when I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not denying that, but I got three points about Pete Alonzo. Okay. If a deal makes sense for the Mets. What do I mean by that? If a deal makes the Mets better, you trade him. This is my opinion. Number two, the value for this guy. Pete Alonzo, you probably could get six players in a combination of either prospects and, and starting players. If you could get some surefire MLB one, players. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get six players for him. You're going to get two or three prospects, six. good prospects, and probably going to get starters. Well, that's my opinion. And, 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 you know, listen, I've been a Mets fan for 62. I've been watching since 1972. There's a window here, three to five years, I think. Now, I'm not being negative or positive, but, you know, I, I have a different opinion, maybe, uh, uh, as a Mets fan. I don't know if the Mets are going to win with or without him in the next three to five years. Yeah. I just don't. I'm the just the Mets honest. haven't won in the last 37 years. Thanks right. for the call, Gene. I just, like, <clears throat> I look at it like this, folks. Where, like, what's the plan? You're going to put Mark Vientos in first base? <laughs> that was a joke that I couldn't even deliver. Like, how do you replace that guy? With six prospects or four prospects and two major league players, you're, you're not. W- weren't we talking about last year and even some parts of this year that the Mets don't hit the long ball, that they don't have enough power, that they don't hit it out enough? Isn't that part of the reason you were pissed off about Vogelback not taking the bat off his shoulders? He's figured it out now that the games don't matter. But still, what's he got, 13 homers? You, you were expecting more from your DH. Should have got J.D. Martinez, like I was saying in the offseason. Pete Alonzo should be a forever Met. Pete Alonzo, I think, is a perfectly fine human being. I don't think he's toxic. Pete Alonzo has had to watch 
His clubhouse changed a bunch in these last couple years. Pete Alonso has had to watch all of these all-star Cy Young World Series winners come in and hit the mega millions in his ballpark. Where's his bread? Where's his money? Where's his piece of the pie being the polar bear, the face of the franchise the last five years? I don't know. I just I feel like they're doing them wrong. They're doing them dirty. I get that your plans have changed some. You're changing course some. But, like, don't do wrong by that guy. That's why I said, what, now the Steve Cohen era is tearing up the fabric of the New York Mets? Prospects are suspects, bros. I'm telling you, I know right now there are a lot of Mets fans that saw what they did at the deadline and said, ooh, the future is bright. Okay, that future starts to get dim year after year after these kids struggle or fall off or they don't become what they're projected to become. Baseball is hard. It's a tough game to play. I know it. I'm a Yankees fan. The Yankees have fumbled the rock with every prospect. That's why I'm surprised to see. Look at Volpe go. Good job, Anthony. All right, Ant-Man. A 2020 season. Not done. That kid competes. He doesn't care about the circumstances. The Yankees can't coach him the wrong way because he just has to sit down for a chicken parm dinner. Uh, T.T. Jazz make that chicken parm dinner. Him and uh, Austin Wells, they get to working on his swing. He's fixed. What I'm saying is I've, I've watched prospects come up and you think they're the next big thing. Miguel Andujar, Clint Frazier, Gary Sanchez, Greg Bird. And then they fizzle out. Pete Alonso is a surefire thing. Ross is in Bergen County on the fan every day. Keith, what's going on, man? You know, watching this Utah game, they're up 14-3. They just missed a wide-open receiver that would have made it 21, but... Uh, three minutes left in the yeah. second half. They might be able to to score here. I think they're in field goal range anyway. It's crazy, like I yeah. said, to see Urban Myers pass two schools or whatever. Um, well, before Ohio State mm-hmm. and like where they're at now. I remember Utah wasn't even on the map. Remember Alex Smith? Yeah, that's where he went. Yeah, he went to uh, Utah. No, yeah, he was I, with I, Urban Meyer. You're too young for college. that. Yeah, you're too young for that. Uh, well, I, I just found out the other day is uh. Uh, so, well, when I, I saw the 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 advertising that documentary on Netflix. It's what Urban Meyer, I think, it was Aaron Hernandez is on that. Yeah, one. that Florida team, oh, the Swamp Tebow. Swamp I, Kings. I never realized how good. I didn't realize Tebow was legit one of the best all time college QBs. I just thought it was kind of like yes, a, and know, high school. T- Tim Tebow was my year yeah, in high school. I didn't realize how good he was. He was in Sports Illustrated as like a sophomore, and then I remember as I was getting recruited, him and I were in the same magazine as like top quarterbacks in the country. I wasn't anywhere near Tebow. Don't get me confused. But Tebow was like the top in our class. Also, it was like Matt Stafford and I forget who else. But, yeah, Tebow was real. And doesn't that kind of just go to show you the last point you just made about prospects being so It's hard to do. It's hard to, yeah, yeah it's hard to Tebow, keep it going. And then look at, you just talk about Brock Purdy. Where did he, he went to? Uh, Iowa State. To Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State. The Cyclones. Look at him. I mean, who knows? It's kind of a mystery with him. But, you know, from what we've seen, it's kind of more impressive than what Tebow ever did. I mean, I know Tebow had that one playoff run. I was about to say, Denver, I don't know. Tebow, Tebow, Tebow was drafted was way higher than Brock Purdy. He threw that. Pass to Demarius Thomas, rest in peace. Yeah, I guess Brock yeah. Purdy. Brock Purdy won a playoff game last year against the Seahawks, but then he got yeah. knocked out of the game. We'll uh, see. I'm interested to see what his season looks like this year. I don't think he's going to have it so easy. Yeah, I'm just really never, never been able to get into you know, college basketball. I get into when it's March Madness. So you, you know, you, you put up the bracket and like, you know the games start like noon, one o'clock. 
college football, it's, it's kind of like the segue. And like to this year, it was like the SEC or one of the conferences. Legit, like every team moved out of it one day. That's the kind of stuff that mixes me up. How like teams yeah, six it, conferences, like it's it has become the wild, wild like west. Back. I don't understand yeah. why Washington in Seattle is going to move to the mm-hmm. Big Ten and play against Rutgers in and, like, New Brunswick. Teams are ranked. There's like I see a game, I'll see one team is like a 14 next to it, the other team has nothing. And all in all, this is all, you know, all these schools, all these colleges, it's for a four. I know they, it's like nine or ten teams now. But for a while, up until this year, it's a 14 playoff that's based off a committee. I remember all I heard when I was at uh, the Horned Frogs. Uh, what are they called? TCU. Uh, TCU. And all the discussion was whether or not they should have been there or not, rather than how good, you know, they were to even be. I think they went undefeated. And like all, all the buzz around them was, you know, the debates of whether or not they shouldn't have even been brought in by the committee. And of course, it was like fifty-six nothing in that, in that championship, uh, championship game. So it's just been kind of hard for me to get into basketball. I get get into when it's uh, like you know, the March Madness, everything, you know, the the hype around it. But sure, I'm not really a big college guy myself. But to uh, each his own, you know. I I grew up yeah, watching Florida I, State. I was a Florida State fan as a kid, so that had me locked in. And football, it was different. When it used to be the the played, BCS, too. and you, it, it was a different system than this college football playoff. And, yes, I played football. So, as a kid growing yeah. up, I remember not even realizing college football were college students playing football on a scholarship. When I put that two and two together, I'm like, that's me. I got to do that. Yeah, no, I, I, got, I had a couple years of the tight end in my uh, rec center's flag football league. After that, I hung up the cleats early. I was like, I'm done with it. I'll go play basketball basketball <laughs> for my grade school or something. So right. now I'll watch the games on my couch. Yeah, imagine putting that helmet and shoulder pads on, buckling that chin strap, oh, and having God. somebody punch you in the face. It's it's a tough That's sport. That's brutal. That's brutal, definitely. I want to go to a baseball player. That last guy, Brad, he thinks we're getting six players for Alonzo. He's got to stay off the week. You see Mookie Betts. And I know Soto got basically San Diego. So I, I can get to San Diego in a second, uh, but I want to get to you know. You look at what Mookie Betts got back, and you know the notion of you see, well, Boston's able to trade Betts. You know, uh, Colorado's yeah, able Alex to trade Verdugo, Bruce Dark, yeah, Gratterall. Soto looks solid for now, but all those other you know situations where a star player got traded. There's nobody left in Arizona from the Goldschmidt trade. I think it's just Austin Gomber left from the Arenado trade. All Boston has from the best trade, and best just came back for the first time four years later, I think it is, is Verdugo, who's all right, Connor Wong, who's terrible, and Jeter down, so the only reason he was relevant was because of his first name, and now he's in Washington. Yep. That's all they got back. They got three players. To, uh, Verdugo was the only one that even sniffed the majors at the time. And now we're talking about, you know, the guy who's coming off of his, like, a year removed from arguably the best season we've ever, individual season we've ever seen in the modern era. That 2018 season, I don't even think Mike Trout ever put a season up like that. They got back three players for that. So, I mean, if, he, if you know, we think we're getting anything close to six players, and even look at the Soto tree. So they got one MLB player, uh, level player for that. It was Luke Voigt, and he got waived the, the, the following offseason. You, you don't have to pay Pete $40 million. You don't even have to pay Pete half of that a year. The top the top first baseman, Matt Olson, makes $21 million a year. Freddie Freeman, 20 a year. Anthony Rizzo, even at 33 years old, is making $20 million a year. The lower-valued position. You can give you Pete, like, 17, 18. 11, 11 years. I remember, uh, you know, before Turner got his standing O, I was having a, I was in a Twitter thread, you know, talking about Lindor and Turner, how they were basically Captain America and, you know, King of Puerto Rico, Turner and Lindor, you know, uh, you know, specifically. And you look at the first couple of months, they were both, you know, heavily underplaying their contracts. Now, Turner looks like, you know, 
Ozzy Smith all of a sudden when doors kind of you know evening things out too. But at the time I was saying you know they're not you know they're not playing close to being the tenth and twenty first highest no. paid players in the in league. In baseball, and you get you know, paid off of what you've done, not what you're going to do. Nobody right. can predict it. Guys rarely ever live up to their contracts. Well, I remember you know towards the start of the season, I think calling to you, calling to Benigno, I think calling to uh, CMAC too, even Sal a couple times. I was talking about San Diego because it's the start of the season too. I was saying this Mets team on paper, it's pretty underwhelming for how much money they spent. You look at a team like San Diego, I think is like second or third on the uh, highest highest payroll. I was like, you see the way they built their roster. Yeah, they gave up some of the farm, but you look at you know both then and in hindsight now, it's not like the Mets farms any more special. And you look at that team they have out in San Diego, the big four: Bogarts, Machado, Tatis, Soto. They even have Hassan King's probably been their MVP. You got Blake Snell rotation. Huge they have failure. Gary Sanchez. And yet they're in the same, but you wouldn't know that from the way Fox Sports and MLB, yeah, you know, and everybody talks about them. They're you you and I were talking better. about it on Twitter. I said it's San Diego, so right. nobody expects them to actually be nope. good. It, when they spend all this money, even when they offer Judge $400 million, I'm like, I don't know where they're making this money. It's not going to work. Right. They're 62 and 72. Because we're all the way here on the East Coast, we don't talk about them, but they're more of a mess than the Yankees and the Mets. No, well, that's the thing, you know, the, the kind of the behind the scenes of their situation is far worse. You say, you know, you know, over here in New York, Cohen Steinbrenner, you know, they could kind of, you know, kind of like a slap on the wrist to them. To them, it's playing with fire and they're getting burned right now. You know, it's not so much when Tatis, you know, would hit and walk off Grand Slam, Slam Diego was doing the cha-cha-cha all the way home and everything, you know, it was the, you know, it was the, it was the team, that, team to go see. It was like the, you know, the hot shot in town. Now all of a sudden, there's just, uh, just as big of a joke as the Mets and Cardinals right there. I think they're one, two, three in the standings. Hell, Washington has yep. a better record than them. Talk about and toxic here, clubhouses. They, they have a toxic right. clubhouse. Soto doesn't and get along with Machado. Machado doesn't get along Melvin. with Tatis. Tatis doesn't get along with Xander yeah. Bogarts. Like, no, it's a disaster. You see Machado tearing apart the, the dugout the other day. One more point. I know I'm going, to, going a little long. My last point, I promise. Uh, you, when you bring it up, you know, going to, to Showalter, you know, talking about bringing the younger guy in. We look at San Diego, kind of a similar situation. They were even younger. Jason Tingler, I think, was one of the youngest managers in the league. He yep. was the best. You bring in Melvin, you see some sort of hope, and now you know they're coming back down to the reality. I, a little bit. I, I thought Bob biggest, Melvin was going to get him right. They, I thought a great can't fix it. and it was for years. Same with Buck. I think the biggest example though, was out in uh, Arlington slash Texas. Chris Woodward, that crying weasel, talking about you know mm-hmm. Todd Keith swinging three zero, and you know the the wall being too short in Yankee, even though they're playing against the same wall. You go, that, that guy's like, you know, pushing 40 to Bruce Bochy, I think, is legit the oldest manager in the league. Yeah, now he has or three him or Dusty. Record, Buck has none. Right. And, and Dusty just won his first one, and Bochy for a while was looking like he was going to win number four. Now, you know, they're coming back down to earth a little bit. You have Bochy and, and, and even Cervantes down in Seattle. He's no, you know, young bloomer either. Look yeah, at D- Dusty, Lewis, 74, Lester. Bochy, 68. Yeah. And Cervantes is probably got to be around like 60, 72. You look at out in St. Louis, they went from TLR to Matheny to uh, Mike Show to Ole Marmel, and they've been a complete disaster. They've probably been the worst team in the league this year. Now, you know, all payroll expectations, well, expectations, but not payroll aside, St. Louis was basically looked at to run away with that division. Maybe Milwaukee give them a rip, run to somebody, but they have been, you know, the complete opposite. They've been the only team that hasn't had a shot at the division. You know, Pittsburgh's kind of having now, too, but, you know, Ole Marmel, I think, is the one of the youngest managers in the league, too, so I don't think it has anything to do with age. You look at Texas alone, you know, the older, you know, they – you have like 20 years in between the last two managers, and the franchise well, completely turned around. What I, what I also feel like is like done. these managers aren't really managing alone. I mean, Bruce Bochy right. obviously is managing the game, but it is a collaborative 
effort across baseball. Oh, Ross, thanks for the call, bro. I just got your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com try and sneak in another one we're gonna break actually yeah we got a break here i have a guest coming up in about 15 minutes let's take this break when i come back we'll try and sneak another call or two in will parkinson is coming up from turn on the jets podcast we're gonna talk about gang green but we'll get a couple calls in right after this and we're back on the second half of my show good beat nick I got to get back to the raps. I owe WFAN a freestyle or a written or something. I was setting you up for it. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has been. When I heard that beat, I'm like, ah, oh, it's just it's something. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to not be good. No, <laughs> actually, I was going to my other job this morning, and I heard this. And I was like, what is we the song? I haven't, back. We I haven't heard this song in so long, I forgot ja the name. Ja Rule yeah. was at Yankee Stadium uh, <laughs> a couple weeks ago. I forget what game it was. I think I was there. I think Ja Rule was at the game, maybe the game before Judge hit the three homers. Yeah, I think he was at the game before the three homers. But that, that beat is tough right there. I'm like, man, I got to write something. But, like, what I want to do, like, I think the first rap I did on WFAN, it was in February of 2022, and it was late. So I don't think that many people caught it. And I also wasn't taking the video. I just posted the uh, screen recording from the Odyssey app. And I rapped about, I don't know, the teams I like and fandom and being on the radio, whatever. And then the next rap I did, I had the camera rolling. And that was in January of this year. And what inspired that was um, Craig and Evan playing a New York Giants rap. And they were hyping it up. And it was all right. But, like, they were hyping it up like it was the best thing they heard. And I remember being home listening. Like I told you guys, I listen to the fan every day like you do. And it was like... Maybe 3 o'clock, and I heard that rap, and I'm like, man, I'm about to write something and spit it tonight after Carton and Roberts. So then I started writing. I, like, said, all right, forget these notes. I know what I'm going to talk about. But I started writing from 3 to 5, and then I packed all my stuff up and drove in for my 7 o'clock show, and I kicked that rap in January, and that video did numbers on TikTok, on Instagram, on everywhere I posted it. 
But now I'm due for another one. I, I, I will definitely come through with another one. I was reserving the freestyles for Friday. I did I did have a freestyle one of these Fridays, Loopy on the late night. You really should do it every week, make it a thing. But it's it's hard to do. So I could freestyle off the top of my head with whatever words come to my mind. Could be some curse words, profanity, eh, can't do that on the radio. Could be something goofy or dumb that doesn't sound cool, and eh, I gotta be cool. Um, but if I write something and prepare it, I need, like I said, I, I took two hours to prepare the 16 that I spit in January. I need like a solid two hours and I can write like clever lines that rhyme and flow and, and sound good. But I don't have the time that I had. Like I in January, I didn't have a baby. <laughs> People don't realize like when I'm when I'm not on the air, I'm a full-time dad and doing a bunch of other stuff. I just moved. And I swear, like having my son, it's it's a constant schedule of, okay, baby is awake. Got to play with the baby. Got to feed the baby. Okay, log his bottle. Okay, how long has he been awake? Two-hour wake window, put him back down for a nap. My son pretty consistently sleeps like 30, 35 minutes. Sometimes if we leave him there crying, he might fall into a deeper nap. He's done like an hour and 45, two-hour nap recently. But, like, it's just a revolving door, a, a never-ending cycle of, like, you know, baby stuff where you can't – I can't take two hours out of the day to be like, yo, like, tell my wife, like, I'm going in a room to, like, listen to a beat and write a rap for WFAN. She's going to be like, no, you got to warm up the bottle or you got to change him or, oh, he's crying. You got to – like, my wife works too. So sometimes she's in her office um, or sometimes she's working in our little, you know, work-from-home office. We have a nanny a couple days a week, but I haven't found – the time, but I will, I will, I will work on it. I will plan on something to do. I got to find some inspiration. That's what it is. Like, well, do it on uh, how you know, just wrapping up this terrible Yankee season. I actually did think about that. I had, I had a couple bars written. I was like, why don't I just make a diss track on the New York Yankees? Like, why don't I just make like a beef record and like just destroy the Yankees for all their mistakes and all the nonsense that they put us through this season? But then I'm like. Nah, then the Yankees won't be too fond of me. That'll live forever. And then I'll be pulling up in the press entrance like, hey, everybody. They'll be like, that's the guy <laughs> that dissed us on WFA. Well, well, don't go too far, you know. Just <laughs> That's what you got to do. That's hip-hop, right? That's, yeah, I know. You know, you got to take it that far. I think on my Loopy on the Late Night Freestyle, I started off with, um, this, this team is trash, man. They stink like a trash can. I got nothing else but to blame Brian Cash, man. <laughs> Let's go to Mo in Brooklyn before we go to break again. What's up? Hey, what's up? How you doing? Good, good. How are you? Great. Love the show. I just I had one quick thing. I, I heard you talking about the, the the first baseman. I think the reason why they don't get paid so much is because you could always stick someone else at first base. You know, you, there's no reason to have like a long-term guy unless he's really good. Yeah, not for nothing. They're not defending that much of an area. They put their foot on the bag. Like... You know, there's some guys that are better than others, but, like, yeah, there's plenty of guys that we've seen play first base, I mean, just for the Yankees, right? Uh, DJ LeMayu, Jake right. Bowers when, when uh, Rizzo went down. So, yeah, no, they, they're co- the top, the top first basemen are coming in around $20 million a year. Right. So, with, with, with the Jets, I was thinking, no, I haven't really heard this point that you talk about so much. Like, everyone's saying, like, defense is good but not great, you know, I think it's something to do with the fact that last year they were on the field like for 45 minutes out of the game, you know? 
they never had a t- chance to yeah. rest because the offense was so bad. Absolutely. If, if they were just have a three, chance, you three know, and out, defense and, back up. It's like, oh, we're gassed. Right. Well, got to go back out literally there. Literally, like play after play after play, they have no rest. So they, they have the end of the game. They just like tire and then they're, they're gone. You know. That's football. Yep, that's part of it. It's going to be different this year now, when there's sustained drives. It's going to be different this year where there's home runs hit. Uh, it's going to be different this year. They have an actual quarterback, and he's yeah. not. He's not just a step so above impressive. a Zach Wilson or a Mike White. He's way beyond those guys. So it's going to be oh, a, it's, it's so going to be good. a good year for the Jet fan watching their team actually yeah. like move the sticks, get first downs, get in the end zone. Yeah, exactly. All right, All right. Mo. Thanks for the call. We got a break here. Coming up now is Will Parkinson from Turn on the Jets podcast. I got love for podcasters. That's where I came from. And I was thinking about bringing a Jets guest on, and I've had, you know, all the reporters on multiple times. And uh, I just want to give an opportunity to somebody that I recently saw on Rami Lavi's podcast. Shout out to Rami, who produces here. And this is a good guy to talk Jets. Uh, also played college football like I did, I believe. So we're going to break here. We're going to go get Will. Um, Craig, stay on hold. I know it's going to be tough. Craig in New Haven, stay on hold because – your topic is is me. I want to talk about that, but we got to talk to Will for like 15 minutes. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Fan. Right back at it on The Fan. Joining me is Will Parkinson from Turn on the Jets podcast, NFL analyst, former college football player. We're going to definitely talk about that and start there. And uh, just someone that I have seen on Twitter a little bit and our very own Rami Lavi had him on the in-flight snack Jets podcast. And I was thinking of who to bring on today, and uh, it's you, Will. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited to uh, excited to be on. Is this your first time as a guest on WFAN or just uh, in general? Second or? time. Second time. I uh, I did a nice 4 a.m. spot a couple of weeks ago with Peter Schwartz. Uh, so uh, first time not uh, you know not at 4 in the morning. So that, yeah, uh, yeah. that'll do. Pete's a good guy, though, and any time is good because all of this is on the free Odyssey app where you can rewind. And everything goes to podcasts where you could listen anytime. But better to be on at uh, 9.45, 9.50 than 4 a.m. More people will get a chance to hear you. So let's go back. You played college football. So did I. You played at two different schools. So did I. You transferred from one to another. I started off in the CAA at James Madison University. You started off at Towson, and you transferred to Cortland. I'm guessing coming back home, I transferred to Monmouth University coming back home. Tell us about your college football experience. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's about as uh, correct as you could put it. Uh, went down, started in the CAA, and then came back home to Corlin with a little bit more of the New York flavor to flavor to city school. And um, yeah, honestly, uh, obviously different level of football, but can't uh, can't say it was a bad decision. Definitely had a had a blast, and uh, you know, was a was a very memorable time in my life that I'll never forget. And it's uh, definitely led me into a lot of doing this stuff with the NFL and the Jets, and being able to kind of. Talk about you know talk about my experience and try to use that to make uh, you know fans of the podcast fans of uh, fans of my work you know a little bit smarter about football. It, it plays, man. I, I have a lot more respect for guys that played the game at a higher level than um, you know junior varsity varsity that like actually played in college because we we've got a ton of guys that you know we hear talking about NFL football or players and they're very critical and negative i'm like did you ever strap it up did you ever step in between the lines like hold on you didn't you didn't even play in high school and you got a hell of opinions and negative thoughts and energy on guys going out there doing it if you don't know what that's like like 
I don't know, you got to chill a little bit. But everybody loves the NFL, so everybody speaks on the NFL. Of course, everyone's got an opinion. Um, but yeah, no, I, I always like to you know try to speak from uh, speak from as much research and education as I possibly can, and kind of use my experience and um, got to coach a little bit in college as well before uh, you know before you know, before coming home. So um, try to use a lot of that and just kind of knowledge of schemes and playbooks and, and things of that nature and kind of what it's like to go through even Division One, Division Three camps and, um, you know, be able to, you know, kind of speak as educated as I can about, you know, the NFL, which, you know, we all love and adore. And, um, you know, the closer you can get to it, play, you know, whether it's practicing, playing with guys, working out with guys that are in the league now, talking to them, you know, talking to those guys, be able to speak as, you know, Speak as objectively as possible. Make sure people, you know, get an informed opinion, not just, uh, you know, not just uh, you run in the middle uh, barbershop takes. Yeah, you, it, it's necessary, man. And um, shout out to your podcast, Toj Turn on the Jets podcast. Tell us a little bit about the podcast because I kind of preface preface this by saying, yo, I, you know, I had no radio experience, but I had hundreds of podcast episodes, and I tell young people now use the podcast to get reps. Use the pro- the podcast to perfect your craft. Whether there's four downloads or 40,000 downloads, you never know who's listening and you never know where it might lead you. So when did you start the podcast? How many episodes in are you? Um, tell us a little bit about it. Like, you know, take this opportunity to promote yourself. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, about two and a half, three years ago, it's always something I kind of wanted to do. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, talk, you know, talk Jets, you talk, uh, you know, talk with your boys, you talk with your brothers, your teammates, et cetera. And, um, you know, started doing it about three years ago. Um, that, I don't know, about 150, 200 episodes in. Uh, been lucky enough to be at, I'll think about it, like a million and a half downloads over the last, uh, you know, 18 months or two, two years or so. So it's been, it's been a fun, uh, it's been a fun time. Players, coaches, you know, anyone in the media you could think of, Fireman Ed, you know, whoever it might be. Um, you know, it's been, a, it's been an awesome kind of journey. Try to, like I said, try to, you know, make everyone a little bit smarter um, so they can go to their barbecues, they can go to their tailgates and, you know, have one or two things to tell, you know, tell their boys or tell their friends that, uh, you know, can kind of make them sound like the smartest guy in the crowd. Um, you know, try to try to make people have a good time, try to be lighthearted. Um, you know, and like I said, you know, have you know, it's players, coaches, media members, you know, fans, whoever it may be, and just, you know, have a good time, talk about, you know, talk about the Jets, talk about football. And uh, it's been a great ride. I'm, I'm, I've been loving it and, uh, you know, hope to have the next, uh, Next million, million and a half downloads, uh, you know, come quicker than the first, uh, you know, two years or so did. Yes, sir. Make sure you guys look up Turn on the Jets podcast. I mean, you picked the right time to start a podcast on the Jets. My my first real question for you is, why are these Giants fans so shook? Why, why are they so afraid? Why are they so scared that, that the Jets might be better than them this year? That the Jets are getting all the pub, all the shine? I know, right? It's it's crazy. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's pretty wild just to, to kind of look at that as, it's one of those games you look at on the schedule. I think for Jets and Giants fans, it's exciting, right? So every four years we get that. But, you know, it hasn't – both teams haven't really been that good. I guess 2015 is the last time you look at that, and both teams were, were good enough for that game really mattered. Obviously, the game in 2019 uh, or 20, you know, was, was not a pretty uh, not a pretty sight um, and things of that nature. But, yeah, there's there's obviously the war of words, you know, the hard knocks, the Jihad Ward, Aaron Rodgers stuff. There's – him calling it Jet Life Stadium, which, you know, every Jets fan has probably called it in their life. Every Giants fan has probably called it Giants Stadium. So, uh, you know, you, you kind of go from that perspective. But that game, you know, that and the Denver game, I think for the Jets, are two games that maybe were, were exciting, but not necessarily maybe the, the number one game circled on the schedule. Those two games in the last, uh, you know, month or so throughout camp have kind of become 
you know, must-watch, get your popcorn ready type of games just from a little bit of the trash talk, whether it's Don Payton talking trash about the Jets coaching staff and Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Giants staff kind of going back and forth, Aaron Rodgers. Had some choice words for Jihad Ward again today, and Sterling Shepard, you know, wasn't pleased with Aaron Rodgers calling it Jet Life Stadium and the whole thing, and, you know, Jets have beaten the Giants the last couple times they've played, so, you know, it kind of feels like the older brother's a little pissed off that the, the younger brother's getting a little bit of shine right now, but, you know, I think objectively on paper, the Jets are a better team. Obviously, the Giants were better a year ago, but, um, you know, both teams should be playoff in playoff contention, which is good for New York sports, but... You know, I think that's a game right on Halloween weekend, right in the middle of the year, when people start to kind of round into form and you're kind of figuring out who might actually be good, who's a pretender, who's a contender. You know, we're going to see, uh, we should see an exciting game, you know, on Halloween weekend. But, you know, the, the little bit of trash talk is definitely adding a little bit of spice to it in the New York media, is, uh, make sure, making sure to play that up as, uh, as they should. Yeah, it's the time for it. I mean, <clears throat> everyone's 0 0. I keep saying that. This is the time for the hype and the back and forth and the trash talk. And, uh, week five and, uh, you know, week seven, uh, no, the Broncos are, let's see. Yeah, yeah week, week five, five, week five and week eight. And week eight. Um, those games got the juice, but do not sleep on the Eagles in between. And uh, let's talk about this schedule because before we got to, like, hard knocks and camp opening, I was telling the Jet fan, your schedule is a gauntlet right away. So if you think you're going to the Super Bowl, you got to survive the first eight weeks, nine weeks. You got the Bills. You got the Cowboys, the Patriots who you haven't been able to beat, the defending Super Bowl champs, the Chiefs, the Broncos you should be able to beat, but I don't know, out there in mile high, crazy things happen in the altitude. The Eagles who went to the Super Bowl after that. The Giants who are a playoff team that won a playoff game. The Chargers who look to be better this year. Like, that is a gauntlet. I don't expect the Jets to lose their first eight games, but I was saying before we got into the preseason, we're at, like, now I'm all positive energy. No one knows what's going to happen. I'm not talking down on the Jets fans. I'm like, there's a chance that you might have two wins, three wins out of the first eight games. What do you say to that? Yeah, no, look, it's the beginning of the schedule is kind of a, a game, you know, can you just, can you get to the bye 500? I think that, you know, if you're an optimistic Jets fan, why can't you start five and one, right? Or four and two. I think if you're maybe more pessimistic on them, of taking a little time to gel difficult schedule maybe they start two and four i i kind of look at it as anything better than three and three and in you're in a in a great position you know you're got a new quarterback new staff a lot of new players you know most of the team really is the same you know it's a team a year ago that obviously you know lost uh you know lost five games given up less than 20 points they had obviously had a million different quarterbacks the worst quarterback playing football every old line injury you could imagine you know et cetera et cetera finding crazy ways to lose you know, you'd expect a lot of that fortune, you know, you add an MVP quarterback, you add, you know, some more offensive line help, et cetera, et cetera. But look, I think, you know, Buffalo week one, they played Buffalo really tough the last couple of years. If Mike White doesn't get hurt last year, you you know, Zach Wilson beat them, with, led with James Robinson, you know, Nate Herbig clearing holes for James Robinson, Denzel Mims had the biggest catch of the game. Um, that's right after, you know, they lose Brees Hall, they lose Elijah Vera Tucker, and they still beat, you know, the Bills last year. They've given Josh Allen problems over the last couple of years. Even some of the bad Jets teams in 2020, you think back, I think Josh Allen had five fumbles one game against the Jets um, in 2020 at home. So, you know, if you're a Jets fan, you feel confident going into week one, as you should. Aaron Rodgers doesn't lose to Dallas. If you're, you know, optimistic, you know, why can't we start 2-0? We haven't beat New England in, you know, since 2015, and, you know, why you know England New England's probably the fourth best team in the division. I think that's pretty consensus, you know, based on the roster at least. And then it's like you get Kansas City, but it's a road game, they're traveling cross country for a prime time game. You know, you look at it again, you know, nothing good ever happens for the Jets in Denver, unfortunately, but 
Um, again, that's a highly contested game. The Eagles, you know, they have never beaten the Eagles. So, like, can you start three and three, four and two, give yourself a shot going to that Giants game? You start four and two going to that Giants game, then the Super Bowl talk really ramps up because that's going into the trade deadline. The Jets are now working with twenty plus million dollars in cap space. They're a destination people want to go to. They want to come to New York and play with Rodgers, the staff, et cetera. And then, then that Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, those type of names are going to start to get floated around on bad teams that you know maybe potentially move. So. You know, I look at it as, like I said, start three and three, four and four. I mean, four and two. And again, if you start better than that, that's great. Two and four is not worst case scenario. But, you know, if you start two and four and when you're two division games, it's a whole different story than, you know, that's why week one for this Jets team, you know, week one, again, you hate to kind of overreact. It's, it's kind of the, the worst, uh, the worst Monday of, you know, of all Mondays in the NFL season is that Monday, you know, post week one of the overreactions, but mm-hmm. division game at home rival team debuting your quarterback 9-11 in your building legacy jerseys the whole thing go get the job done and and people are going to look at this thing a whole lot differently great answer will uh one more question for you hard knocks man i mean as much talk was surrounding hard knocks and the jets not wanting to do it and it being a distraction i think it has been a boost i think it boosted the rivalry between the jets and the giants after last week and my favorite thing which I'm about to ask you what your favorite thing so far from Hard Knocks. My favorite thing from Hard Knocks is Aaron Rodgers. And I know it's produced to be, you know, the Aaron Rodgers show, but my favorite thing is the rebrand of Aaron Rodgers through Hard Knocks, getting to see how this guy is with his teammates and how he plays the game and how he talks the game. As a former quarterback, college football player, to see him get fired up about their three drives and the three penalties and the three mistakes, and then in the next clip, he starts going to work Hey, 17, step into my office. He's telling guys how to run their routes, what to look for. This is, I'm like, the Jets have a coach on the field, and I love that Hard Knocks was able to capture that. What was your favorite thing from the first four episodes we've seen of Hard Knocks on HBO? Yeah, so far I would say, you know, that's one thing that sticks, you know, stands out to me is, you know, I kind of nerd out with a lot of that stuff, the schematic stuff of the side of the game, that kind of that nerdy, like, you know, play calling and, and what defense is. It's not nerdy out. to me. Smart nah, to me. <laughs> it's, like, it's awesome to watch, you know, okay, this guy's identifying coverages and watching a guy that's been in the league 19 years now who's one of the, you know, smartest guys from a football perspective, you know, you're going to see. And getting watching him, you know, kind of dissect defenses, seeing where they're making mistakes, you know, the correct guys, and doing a way where it's intense it's, and meaningful, but it's also helpful knowing this is a young team. They've got to gel, and he's got to be that kind of stick po- sticking point of, you know, from a leadership perspective. So, you know, that was something that definitely stood out. You know, I, you know, I, I'm a sucker, I guess, for it. And, you know, Robert Tal is awesome in a lot of different senses. I think he gets a lot of heat from, from folks in the reality, you know, they went from the worst defense in football, you know, 24 months ago to they were a top five ranked defense, you know, overnight. And, you know, to think that he doesn't have an impact on that or Aaron Rodgers and, you know, some of these guys aren't here, um, you know, because of Robert Tal would be a mistake, you know, no matter what, I thought his, his leadership stuff that he talked about, um, you know, being, you know, kind of a follower or being somebody that kind of can take guys with him or maybe is a leadership guy that can self-motivate, but then there's the guys that bring other people with him. I thought that was awesome. And honestly, the, him ripping the O-line in the Carolina, you know, joint practices, I, I don't find that, you know, I know some people thought that was be fake or phony and things of that nature. I didn't find it that way at all. You ask any player, any player that's been on my, my show or any of these different shows and um, you know, Robert Sala lets those players lead the locker room, and when it's time to step in, they all respect him, and he kind of raises his voice and, and makes sure he's heard. And, you know, I'm a sucker for 25 F-bombs being dropped and, you know, calling out the big uglies and making sure they're, you know, kind of getting themselves in, in check. And, 
you know, there's that all line starting around itself in the form. And, you know, so those are a couple of things that I think you see the nice guy, Robert Sala, you know, in press conferences and, um, you know, he's smiling in the, in the pictures you see and this big Jack dude is 4% body fat and his mid forties with seven kids and the whole thing. And you're like, this guy, like, can he command the locker room and, and getting to see that a little bit. And the way these guys, you know, kind of perk up, eyes are locked in on him, respond to every single word he's saying. And, you know, getting a couple of F-bombs in there, never hurt anybody. So, um, those are a couple of things I've said that to me, but again, as you mentioned with Rogers, that's been, you know, fantastic to watch of just, not only his leadership qualities, but watching his football brain pick is something I don't think we always get to see and hear from a lot of these legendary quarterbacks, and that's something we've gotten to see with Hard Knocks, and I think it's it's pretty special to see. An alpha head coach and an alpha quarterback. Great answer. Willie P, thanks for coming on. We'll definitely have you back on during the season. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Good luck. Hey, we got a break and go to update right now. Hit it, Nick. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, Elle King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, Elle King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com.